Welcome back to the Skits and Giggles podcast. I am Pascal, chief instigator of the show and your host. I'm joined by my co-host and resident engineer, the Shake to My Bake, Bryson. Bryson, how's it going today? Spectacular, Pascal. And you? I'm good, man. Thanks. I'm very excited today to welcome our first female guest to the Skits and Giggles podcast and... Uh, both Bryson and I, we made it our personal goal to have an appropriate balance of guests on the show. We've talked about getting more women involved in the sport before, so the least we can do is also have them on. So Lucy, how are you today? <laughs> Hello guys, it's nice to be on and I'm very excited for the show. Cool, thank you Lucy for doing this. Um, I think we also want to clarify that with, uh, with all of our guests... Um, we uh, we give them the opportunity to to say you know in which language they would like to do it, and we're obviously super happy that uh, that you said you wanted to do it in English. So our dear friend Bryson here can be part of the conversation. So thank you very much and welcome. No problem. Well, we'll just uh, briefly mention our social and where you can find more information about the uh, Skits and Giggles podcast. We are currently most active on Instagram where you can slide into our DMs and follow along at Skits and Giggles. And you can find our website with all the relevant links and info under skitsandgiggles.com. Um, I think we have a lot of uh, material to cover today, so um, I think we just uh, jump right into the main conversation today. Skip the listener questions, so to speak. Um, Lucy, maybe to, to start with, how about we talk a little bit about how you actually got into mountain biking? Of course, I'd love to do that. So it's always hard to like really find the starting point. Um, but I would say it's probably about 10 years ago where I bought my very first mountain bike, which was by far the most expensive things I owned until then because I was a student. So not that easy and very cost sensitive, I would say. And it was a, Mount, a Santa Cruz Blur a test bike <laughs> so it wasn't that expensive and yeah that was a lot of fun what what got you really excited about it well at, back then i lived in coor which is a kind of a mountainous city and the best place to start mountain biking i would say <laughs> because you have really easy trails and dip, more difficult trails and so I had a friend, she was biking and she kind of got me into it. And before I got this mountain bike, I had my hardtail and I tried to follow her on my hardtail. And somehow I, uh, yeah, I got caught up in this and just fell in love with mountain biking. And so that's, that's the story, I guess. Do you still ride with this individual? Um, unfortunately, not that much, but we actually just uh, will have a biking date really soon in spring, I hope. <laughs> Excellent. That's good to hear. All right. But then, uh, you know, the, the riding in Coor kind of stopped at some stage and uh, you, you moved to the big city, to Zurich, downtown Switzerland, so to speak, as they like to call it. And uh, how have things changed since then? Well, to be honest, my mountain bike family grew a little bit. So I now not only own one mountain bike, I own, oh my God, um, at least three. So I have a downhill bike, I have a dirt jumper and I have an enduro bike. And of course my city bike. So yes, I have a big cellar with lots of bikes. <laughs> Tell me about the downhill bike. Well, I'm kind of in love with my downhill bike as well because it's just so much fun to like go down really fast and um, just explore the downhill trails around Switzerland because we have really nice trails. And uh, yeah, so <laughs> whoops, <laughs> something happened, I guess. <laughs> and the, uh, the enduro bike, I've seen you ride it the most actually. Yes, that's probably the one I ride the most, um, especially because in Zurich you have the Uetliberg, as you all have heard from James. <laughs> that's my mountain where I ride pretty much every week. And also now in winter, it's really nice and rideable, even with snow. Sometimes you have snowboarders in front of you, but it's still rideable. <laughs> 
it's kind of more of an adventure in winter time but um yeah it's fun and i'm really excited to have my new enduro bike <laughs> um in october i got my transition sentinel and now i'm even nice. faster and engineered yes, to party excited. Yeah, giddy oh, yes, up, very giddy much. up. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Very and nice. So it doesn't sound like you spend or you leave much time for your dirt jumper. Shame on you. Yes, that's right. So there is something to improve, and that's really spend more time on my dirt jumper. So, yeah, maybe I will get there this spring. We'll see. Exactly. And well, you know, if this corona situation is not improving massively, we won't be going anywhere anyway, so... Might as well get down to the pop track. Exactly. And build our own pop tracks, maybe. <laughs> and for the, all, all you listeners out there, we don't discriminate against city bikes. So please tell us about your city bike. That's actually not an uncool city bike either, because it was my first mountain bike, my Gary Fisher Marlin Ooh. from 2008. Seven, I think. It's a beautiful frame. Something around classic. that. Classic. Yes. So it's a classic, and now it just kind of works very well as a city bike and very, very well as a bike to go to the main station and back. And so it's perfect. Okay. Well, the main thing I'm really excited to have you on is uh, to talk a little bit about your uh, your work, what you do. Um, you know, of course, mountain biking is, is part of your personal life, but it's uh, also part of your professional life. Um, so maybe do you want to talk a little bit about, uh, you know, the, the work that you've done over the last couple of years? Yes, of course. So let's start where it started. <laughs> I think it started in Coor. Um, there I did a bachelor and for my bachelor thesis I actually wrote how to motivate kids to use the pump track there because in Coeur you have one of the first pump tracks in Switzerland and so my goal was it to like really get kids excited to use it. And later on, <laughs> I, um, oh yeah, I didn't tell you this before. I also uh, founded a mountain bike company in between <laughs> something. Yeah, it wasn't that successful, <laughs> but it's okay. And you live and you in learn. The end, <laughs> exactly, exactly. That's all it is. And now, now I work in a health promotion program, which encourages kids and teenagers to lead a healthier life. And there we also promote mountain biking and biking as well. Okay, well, obviously now I need to jump in because, uh, you know, getting people, uh, getting kids excited about riding a pump track. I think it's pretty much the easiest thing to do. So I imagine your bachelor thesis was uh, super casual to do and you were done in no time and spent most of the time writing. <laughs> I wish. <laughs> yeah, the bad thing about the bachelor thesis is usually that you have to have a lot of backup and data and statistics as well. <laughs> so that's the kind of boring part or the part that you need to do as well. Um, but actually it was more also to get teachers excited to use it because teachers usually are kind of scared to use pump tracks and don't really know how to use them. And if you're not a mountain biker yourself, so why should you go with all your kids at school to a pump track? So this was actually the challenge we had to conquer. Okay. But, uh... Again, you know, coming back to my personal experience with uh, pump tracks and my kids, it's uh, you know, it's hard to take them off. I mean, even in, <clears throat> I remember we were in, on holiday last year uh, in Davos where they have the, the dirt pump track, and obviously they close it down when it rains. And uh, you know, we had like a half an hour family fight over why we need to leave now because it's raining and they still want to keep going. And uh, but yeah, so I, I have the opposite uh, experience in terms of uh, you know getting them excited. But um, maybe one thing to, to come back to, I mean, what, uh, what are the main, main takeaways from your bachelor? Or what were the takeaways that kept you going in, in that direction? Well, I think the main takeaway was really the access point. Um, that in Coeur, the access to the pump track is so easy. Like from all the primary schools, I think the farthest it's away, it's like three kilometers. So it's really easy to go there. 
And um, what is also really important is that the teachers have some tools to know how to use the pump track, especially if you also have kids who never been on a pump track. So how should they know how to use it? How should they know how to ride on it? So this is something that helps them a lot to have some kind of lesson preparations, for example, and also if ideally some tutorial videos as well. So this is what kept me going and um, I think with now where I work at Gorilla we have um, this kind of tutorials, we have teachers preparations and we have workshops so it should be an easy thing to do to have this in school. I have, I have visions of my uh, teachers in primary school, um, so their average age was maybe around there, you know, maybe between 50 and 55. <laughs> so I just, maybe can you, is there a funny story about, uh, you know, some of those workshops where, uh, you know, let's say the archetypical primary school teacher has to get on the pump track? <laughs> we do have these funny stories as well <laughs> maybe one of the funniest stories was um there is like every two years there is a big um, teachers conference in Macklingen which is like the biggest sports center in Switzerland I would say and um there all the sports teachers have a further education how they can like I don't know learn some new tools or um, games and stuff and I also did an introduction on the pump track and so I had many older teachers who were really really excited about this pump track and a lot of them tried them <laughs> or tried to go on the pump track and it was with like with your kids Pascal so it was really hard to take them off and so that they were not that punctual to their next meeting <laughs> so that was really cool okay that's great um, Bryson, do you have anything on that? Yeah, I would, I would say that probably um, out of all of the sports that they put together in that one location, biking would definitely be the funnest one. For sure. Definitely. <laughs> it, would, it was actually really fun for me because I was just all day on the pump track, so it wasn't that much hard work for me. <laughs> well, a day on the pump track, that sounds like hard work. <laughs> but uh, you was. had a good time. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yes. Definitely. So yeah, maybe uh, coming back to, to Gorilla, I mean, my understanding is it's, um, you know, like a foundation, like a publicly funded uh, body, if you will. Um, what, uh, I mean, can you maybe explain a little bit more what their, their overall program is? Because that's the mm -hmm. first time I really spent a lot of time with it. <laughs> yes, of course. So Gorilla is... Uh, well, it's a program from the Stifti Foundation and we are a privately um, owned and funded um, organization, which is very small. We have like 12 employees, I think, and some freelancers as well. And what we do are basically three different topics. This is action with um, uh, freestyle sports, Gorilla Green with sustainability and Gorilla Food. So healthy food for kids and teenagers. Our main target group is teenagers between 12 and 18. So the ones who are usually not that motivated to try something new, maybe. <laughs> and also what we have, we have different kind of online contents. So stuff like tutorials, how they can do uh, different things, how they can start, for example, breakdancing or um, cooking or something like that. And also we have lesson preparations for teachers so that they can really go into sports that they might not um, cover in normal sports lessons. So um, yeah, except for mountain biking, we also have breakdancing, we have skateboarding, we have longboarding, we have freestyle soccer and many more things. And the third thing that we have are workshops that we offer. So we have passionate instructors who go to schools and go biking for example with the children and teenagers and then they talk also about healthy nutrition and sustainability and this is really a lot cooler than when your teachers tells you to like where to put your pet bottle oh yeah for sure for example for sure <laughs> yeah all oh, right that sounds uh you know exactly like you know the putting the putting the right tools in front of people and uh you know give them the, the keys to, to, to a healthy lifestyle. 
And uh, yeah, so I mean, I guess it's it's uh, definitely something we should be promoting. Um, um, <clears throat> so maybe when you talk about uh, you know getting kids into mountain biking uh, with gorillas, so what is is there maybe like a, a gorilla approach? Uh, how you how you you know bring them into the the, the sport? I think the main gorilla approach is through passion. So you really feel the passion of the instructor because these are all people who are really close to age to the teenagers and they are just passionate freestyle sports enthusiasts and uh, mountain bikers. So this is something that really fuels, I think, the teenagers to try something. And also we encourage everyone to try something completely new they've never tried before. So they all start on the same level and they have really fast, like um, great experiences to try something and then get to a level that they've never thought that is possible in one day. Well, I'm, I'm really uh, grateful that Gorilla is offering such an uh, ability to, to approach this and achieve these things. I know I always feel uh, so great after after bike ride or, you know, being doing something and achieving something and it just makes me want to, yeah, motivate other people and inspire other people. How do you people get in get, get into Gorilla? Like isn't it aren't these aren't these topics and the classes that are taught there something that's normally taught in school uh, for kids at these age group or is it special for, for Gorilla? Um, yeah, this is a very good question because that's really something that is, of course, freestyle sports are always very popular with kids and teenagers, but it's difficult for sports teachers to teach something like, I don't know, breakdancing if you're not an avid breakdancer. So how do you do that? <laughs> and this is actually where we step in and we either bring the people to the schools to go and try this with the teenagers or we try to give them the lesson plans and also the tutorial videos so that they can work with video tutorials in class and so that the teenagers can try something um, by themselves without the teacher as well and also learn something with the teacher. So this is also kind of fun and this is actually something that we want to what we want to accomplish is to have sports with a low threshold. So if you are a teenager and you might not like to go and join a club and you don't like to have like trainings every week on Monday evenings with a coach, then you have freestyle sports, which is a lot easier because you can just do it with your friends. You can do it by yourself. You can do it anytime you want. And this is where we want to grab those kids and show them our passions. So would you also op uh, open the possibility of, of having the equipment ready for these uh, individuals as well? Yes, so if we do workshops, um, we bring all the equipment with us. And, well, just for mountain biking, of course, it's harder to um, have a mountain bike just at the beginning. But uh, we also have sports where you don't need any equipment. So, for example, parkour, you don't need anything for that. Um, to just try it and we also think that you can start mountain biking with your city bike so you can also do some kind of balance um, exercises on your city bike or also even go on a pump track for the first couple of times with your city bike that works perfectly well so um, this is just like to get you started and then we hope that it just like goes off after this. A, a city bike on a pump track. That sounds like... You've never tried oh, that. Actually. <laughs> but it sounds like a, a, a misconception. Like, um, you know, a lot of people would say, oh, you need a, you need a, a downhill mountain bike to ride a trail. Um, you know, I think there's a lot of misconception out there. Um, maybe we want, to watch, we want to touch on that aspect a little bit. So Maybe what, you, what you're saying is that you can't ride an enduro trail without... An enduro bike? Yeah, you is only that what you, you need 20, what 29 inch wheels. Yeah, 15 inch uh, millimeter axle. But if I have an enduro specific water bottle, does that count? Uh, <laughs> 500 mil or 750? 
<laughs> anyway, I mean, I was joking aside. I mean, the, uh, <clears throat> there's, of course, uh, you know, yes, that obviously all sounds very, very positive, but there's, uh, you know, I'm sure there's also, let's say, a um, bit of pushback with freestyle sports, right? Because they're, on the one hand, yes, kids and teenagers, they're very excited about freestyle sports because they're exactly that. They're freestyle. There are generally not many rules. Um, it's a bit, it has this cachet of extreme or whatever. Um, so what are the, uh, is it kind of the, is there any pushback from, from, from teachers or from parents or from, from any other institution that, uh, that maybe doesn't really like that, that freestyle concept? Mm -hmm. That's, well, it's a tough topic because usually if you have like this, well, normal kind of school you get maybe to try out soccer and floorball and stuff like that that all of us probably had in school as well and freestyle sports if some teachers hear that for the very first time they think like oh my god this is too dangerous and i i don't know how to do it and so i won't try that so this is the biggest pushback first but the thing is that um Mostly, we have a very good safety concept and um, it really helps to the teachers to understand, no, you don't have to, I don't know, be a pro to try it for the first time or a pub track is more, maybe a little bit less scary than going down a trail with 20 kids. So you do have like this little kind of concept that help. And uh, we try to give this kind of safety measures to the teachers and also if we bring our skilled instructors with us that helps them a lot to just like see that the kids really enjoy it and they don't hurt themselves <laughs> so this helps yeah of course i mean i guess you know i think that's the the key to to, to getting uh, everyone on board including parents right is to demonstrate that uh, you know again we, we've had this discussion on another uh, episode is uh, not everything is rampage, not everything is downhill World Cup. So there's also like something between, uh, you know, the craziest uh, downhill tracks and uh, and just riding your, your bike to the shops, right? So I think that uh, th there's there's a lot more that can be done in that, uh, in that space in terms of education um, and, and kind of, you know, portraying the sport in, in, in the right way. And, uh, and, you know, of course... There's, there needs to be a balance between, uh, you know, the action extreme sports and uh, kind of what the general population does and, uh, and, and kind of um, through that promote, promote the, healthy, the healthier lifestyle. Because again, as you say, the end goal is, is to, to, to bring kids that don't have access or don't want to have access to, to let's say, more traditional sports um, to, towards a more healthy lifestyle. Mm -hmm, exactly and also with mountain biking a lot of people don't realize that it's as you say not only rampage you have in bike parks as well you have different kinds of trails so um, it's kind of comparable to downhill skiing and I don't think that in Switzerland um, you get a lot of people who think downhill skiing is such an extreme sport because also you have blue trails and red trails and black trails and this is kind of the same concept in mountain biking so if you tell people this that that helps as well yeah that's a, that's a good, very good point that you make it's um it's uh, you know some of uh, some of the people at work that follow me on Strava. There, they you know they see during the summer they see like these massive climbing days because I don't bother turning off my GPS on the <laughs> on the lifts. <laughs> and uh, they're like, dang man, it's like seven thousand meters. This must a must massive day. You must be really really fit. And it's like ah no no I'm you know it's, it's <laughs> mostly lift assisted. And uh, it's like. So what do you take the lifts up and then what do you do? And I was like, well, you know, it's kind of like alpine skiing. You know, you, you take the lifts up and you ride down and, uh, you know, there's different trails, different difficulties and et cetera. So, so I think if you, if you frame it in that way, then a lot more people understand that, you know, again, you know, that's not everything is like super hard and super gnarly. There's also, you know, flow trails and green trails and panorama trails and stuff like that right so that um that is appropriate for pretty much anyone right so um the um another question i have um you know again 
motivated through my own personal challenges, let's say, uh, is uh, you know the difference between boys and, and girls, or like the teenagers, female teenager and a, and a male teenager. Is there uh, is there any, any difference how they approach, uh, let's say, action sports or, or generally, you know, mountain biking? Well, I think the main perception is that most guys are more like, yeah, this is so cool, let's try this out, yay, we'll do that. And most girls are maybe a little bit more hesitant. And in practice, sometimes this is right, sometimes it's not right at all. Because if you have some really motivated girls, you have like an all-girls mountain bike class where they are ripping the, the staircases and showing all the boys how it's done. And this you is really girl. cool to see as well. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so you have really all the differences. And um, I think what you also have is just like the kids or teenagers who are maybe a little bit insecure and not quite sure if they should try it at the beginning. But as soon as they are in there and you can see that they have maybe accomplished something that they've never thought is possible then they light up and they are really fired up with mountain biking or all the sports that they have tried so i don't really see um main differences in there oh yeah now again that, that is the, <coughs> the, the 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 clearing a challenge um that that must be that must be triggering some chemical reaction in a kid's brain um, of, of you know being so excited and so thrilled about having overcome this challenge and uh, you know see with my kids when they you know they, they manage you know we were in the mountains for example last summer and we did go mountain biking and uh, you know there's <clears throat> a bit trickier section of the trail and then you know you stop you, you take your time you look at the feature you, you break it down and look at the lines like this is what you need to do this is what you need to look at what you need to look forward, you know, look forward, this is how you do it. And then, and then the, the level of excitement afterwards when they've done it and uh, they're, they're so excited and then, you know, you meet friends later on and they're like, do you know what I did? I managed to do this and that and that was so amazing and it was so easy and, uh, you know, this, <laughs> this, this is such a powerful, powerful, you know, drug in that sense is the, that, that overcoming challenge and, 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 and managing and giving the kids the tools to do it is, is so, so exciting and, you know, helps them push on. Yeah, and I think this is something that keeps on happening even in, like, my life or everyone, every biker's life, I guess. You always have these challenges ahead of you and you're always scared of something and then if you overcome this, it's, like, the greatest feeling on earth and um, it's really cool to see if you can get kids into it that they might get really into mountain biking for a long time. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, you already you already mentioned it. You know, you you bringing it you bringing it to your own life, and uh, you know, obviously one uh, another topic or another <clears throat> question I'm really interested in is is um, you know women in the sport and and how they how they do it, and you know, uh, with your experience from from Gorilla and and uh, how you approach biking today. So what have you have you changed anything in terms of your own biking from? you know, after the experience with Gorilla or your your bachelor thesis, if you will? Huh, good question. <laughs> um, maybe I have changed a little bit, but I think it mostly comes a little bit from experience and therefore a little bit confidence. Um, I must admit, I'm actually like a real chicken when it comes to challenges and I'm scared a lot. Uh, but not a lot of people believe me because they see, uh, oh, wow, but you write all this scary stuff and do this and that. Um, but that doesn't matter. I'm always scared. And um, at the beginning, it was maybe a little bit more because I wasn't really used to how it's working. And also, of course, in bike parks and stuff, you'll always see all these guys ripping and um, don't see many female role models, which is a little bit harder to get into it afterwards. But um, yeah, for me, maybe what helped as well was really seeing how 
the kids are doing it at the workshops, that they really overcome their feel, fears and really help each other. And so this is kind of the approach that I'm having right now as well. So um, yeah, even if I'm scared, I have my my tactics how to overcome this fear. And sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't. But I guess this is um, yeah very normal and... I think for me it helps to have female role models and also to talk about this kind of fear that I think every mountain biker experiences a lot. <laughs> well, yeah, I think we're starting to go on a very interesting tangent here. Um, I think we, we want to keep digging here. So, I mean, overcoming fear, um, you know, again, you know, how, how do you deal with it? I mean, where does it start? Where is, start, where is fear starting to become a problem where... Where do you need to kind of stop for a second and like think, you know, how am I going to do this? So when I, I can't do this, very, you know, let's say in air quotes, start breaking down. And then, you know, where is it just, oh, this looks scary. Let's just do it. So where, how do you deal with all this thing, these, 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 uh, you know, these things? So what are your learnings? Well, for me, I experience this kind of fear a lot and in different kind of situations. I think I have like three main situations. <laughs> of course, the one that everyone knows probably, um, especially if you do like a jump the first time or a drop or some kind of scary section of a trail um, and you kind of stop and don't know how to continue. And also what I personally experience as well is sometimes if I'm asked to join a group and I don't know anyone, then I'm kind of scared because I think, oh, well, what am I just, what if I am the slowest one? What if I'm just like stopping them? What if I can't make it down the trail? What if I can't, well, walk down the trail? Do I need to get a helicopter or something like that? So really my head, it's it's going off and the laws of physics do not work in my head. <laughs> so if it gets really, really scary, um, yeah, it kind of gets crazy in my head. So it is really hard to stop it right then. But um, for me, what really helps is the people around me, <laughs> if they are calm and relaxed, I get really calm and relaxed and as soon as I'm on my bike I'm a lot more relaxer than when I'm just thinking about all the things that could happen or could not happen and um, also for me is really like experience the confidence comes with experience if I have jumped a jump that is tiny bit smaller than the one I'm trying to attempt right now it's a lot easier for me to conquer this bigger jump as well um, so this is something that helps me probably to like don't go too crazy <laughs> okay but I mean uh, if you uh, so yeah I mean let's take a scenario right you're riding in a group and then what are I mean I'm taking the other side right I'm, I'm kind of you know obviously we've ridden together quite a few times and uh, you know sometimes I, I take stuff for granted let's say you know we've ridden a certain trail a number of times and and uh, you know you say confidence I have the confidence to just let the brakes go and it's all fine and uh, you know when what is a you know let's say a, a signal for someone that is riding with you or someone that is scared or has fear issues um, to you know to look out for yeah for me like a big signal is um when like i'm riding a trail i feel a little bit not that confident as like maybe others um i get stressed like very easily and so if i feel that all the others are kind of always like keen on like moving on as soon as i get there and I might be the slowest one, but then they, they are not that keen on waiting and just like thinking, oh yeah, we need to go faster. And um, the one thing that I had an experience with as well was uh, we were on a trail. I was 
not the slowest, but we had some people who were there as well who were a little bit slower or there was like a flat tire, something like that. And then one guy suggested that we should maybe skip lunch because now we're on a schedule and we really need to go on all these fun trails. And I'm just like, this is for me like the biggest no-go ever. Skipping lunch. That sounds, that like, sounds like a recipe for disaster. I'm already kind of uh, out of is. my depth here and you want to me, me to go hypoglycemic. So how exactly is that exactly. going to work? <laughs> yeah, so that is pretty much the worst idea you could have. Just skipping lunch skipping breaks and so if you feel that someone is really like struggling to keep up and um well i sometimes feel okay i don't have time to go to the toilet or something like that just go for a coffee break i mean the trails are not running away and it really really helps me or the person who is with you to just like relax a little bit and just feel okay and actually me personally i don't mind waiting for someone because then you can just like have a laugh with your friends and just continue like talking about weird stuff you just talked about before. Yeah. So this is not a problem. And if you are the slowest one and feel this, that everyone is relaxed and no one minds waiting for you, this helps a ton. Again, bringing it back to the conversation we had with James about always riding with gummy bears. Pro tip. So if someone Very is freaking if someone's freaking out, wait. First and foremost, wait. Chill out. You take a chill pill first. Then you give the person a gummy bear. Then you talk about it and then you just continue. And that usually works pretty well. I mean, obviously I'm not saying that you're gonna do a backflip after a gummy bear, but I'm I'm sure like personally a true believer in the power of a gummy bear. And uh, and uh, the relaxing effects on, of, of of a little sugar rush on on just overcoming a blockage and and stuff like that. So and I you know again I use it um, myself um, not necessarily to overcome fear but to help just to help me focus. For example, like you know in a, um, for for race starts for example. Um, so yeah, I've started competing in enduros and obviously there's a couple of starts per day, and I just started. Um, uh, using gummy bears in my just put one one on each side of my on my cheeks shout out to my dentist um <laughs> just to 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 get the sugar going and then to to help me focus uh, at the at the beginning of the race and not necessarily as i say not to overcome fear but just for for focus and uh man, a couple, yeah maybe two three years ago i started riding with gummy bears in my pocket like literally all the old times <laughs> again it works for the kids it works for myself it works for my friends i mean Power of the gummy bears, you know? That's right. <laughs> That's a really good tip. Yeah, I also always have emergency food with me and sometimes even emergency, emergency food. So as soon as you run out of your emergency food, you still have something. So this is very important. <laughs> what do you bring with you? <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> this is kind of embarrassing to say because sometimes I don't even know what I have because probably some of my granola bars in my backpack have been there for some years so <laughs> this is really like the emergency emergency food you really only use for the emergencies <laughs> you really don't care anymore how the food tastes <laughs> no <laughs> it's really for those bad moments but then you can still kind of laugh about this kind of stuff you're just eating right now <laughs> okay. the primary the primary snack what's the primary snack uh, I think almonds. I really like almonds. They're light to carry. They stay good forever. <laughs> and uh, yeah, I like almonds. Power of protein. I guess. <laughs> but gummy bears. I should try gummy bears as well. That's a good idea as well. <laughs> okay. Um, um, another question on that is uh, my, from from myself uh, is um, has has fear ever stopped you from achieving anything? So like uh, has it ever been in the way of something mm. of something great? Well, it's always kind of a little bit in the way because mostly when I'm very scared, I know that I'm very close to achieving something. 
but so far I've managed to overcome this kind of fear so especially about like obstacles and stuff so sometimes um, if I'm very scared of a drop it takes me a whole day to just think about it how I'm gonna do it and then I'm really quiet for one day but the next day I'll do it and I'm the happiest person <laughs> in the world I think so um, so far I've managed to overcome it um, but I think it also has helped me a lot. So I understand all the people who are very scared. I understand all the people who feel very, very stressed <laughs> when they go with better riders, maybe. So I think so far it's made me a better, more understanding rider. And I hope it's going to keep on doing that. Yeah, for sure. I think, you know, again, you make, you make a, a few very, very good points um, for also before. I mean, the... You know, we've all the three of us we've ridden together before on uh, the world famous Biroma weekend, uh, which is a, a weekend that uh, the shop we all go to organizes once a year, and it's uh, I'd say twenty five to thirty riders uh, around Reschen Pass, which is a very famous area um, in the corner between Switzerland, Austria, and Italy. You know, fantastic riding, um, but it's always a bit of a there's always a faster group, and there's always kind of a middle chill group and then there's the i take it really easy group and but uh, you know it always ends up being a a big uh, certainly in the faster group it always tends to be a, a big uh, you know show off let's say and uh, and yeah so i mean i can i can totally see how that is intimidating and then sometimes i'm like I'm, I'm looking at the dynamic and i'm like there's this is there's no way this is gonna end well and someone is gonna end up either hurt or or you know broken egos or something like that and it's uh you know it's just not uh it's just not good and sometimes it's it's a good recommendation as you say it's just to you know sometimes take a break have a little snack enjoy the view and then just keep going after that Exactly. You can still rip the trails afterwards, so they are not really running away from yeah, you. The trails will be there after you, just so you oh, know. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, is this, um, you know, bringing it back to the uh, the women in the sport? You know, again, you know, one of my key key goals here is to educate myself on how I can get my better half <laughs> into the sport a little bit more. Um, the... Um, is this 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 fear dynamic? How um, how does that work in in women's groups versus versus mixed group? Because we already had a very interesting conversation. I'm just very very curious um, to have your take on that. Yeah, maybe. Well, I really enjoy seeing so many more women on the on the mountain bike. Um, I think in the last couple of years, uh, it has increased a lot, and we see a lot more people yeah just joining and trying it and um well for me what helps in like girls groups you usually have very mixed um not dynamics but skills so you are usually like maybe i don't know four or five women and they have very different skills so as a group, you're probably a little bit slower than in a mixed group with men and female. And, um, but actually, I tend to enjoy this as well very much because I think everyone can learn from each other a lot. And so you get to a very chilled vibe. And sometimes you stop for something that, um, well, the kind of... Uh, beginners want to look at and sometimes you stop for something that the pros want to look at and this is all fine so no one is really in a hurry and I think in women's group I've never experienced it that someone said that they want to skip lunch so this is something I enjoy a lot <laughs> this is really the worst idea you could have so <laughs> go team lunch break <laughs> oh yes please <laughs> uh, and in mix mixed groups I experience different kind of things so sometimes you have a very chilled vibe as well and it's really really cool so I enjoy really riding with you guys because I know this is all fun and it's all about the laugh as well Skits and, and giggles. Um, exactly <laughs> 
but sometimes you do have all just the people who really want I don't know um, to like make the most runs in one day and um, I experienced that more with um, yeah mixed groups and this is for me something that I don't quite understand because for me mountain biking is about having fun and not about um, making the most rides in one day so I don't know <laughs> it's an interesting dynamic um, I used to ride in a lot of uh, mixed groups as well back in North Vancouver. Um, and one thing we did to kind of mitigate this whole mis-expectation thing was we clearly stated, you know, what was the plan and which trails we'd hit and which, yeah, I mean, it's, it's more of a, a loose description, but we would say that, you know, it would be a chilled climb and then a, a more, maybe more uh, spirited down. Um, and then we named the exact trails and gave a roundabout estimate of how much time it would take so that people would understand okay, the pace and things like this. And then they would see specific people who would be in these groups and then understand, aha, yeah, I rode with him before on a certain ride and I know his pace and actually we got on well, so I can join that group. So that's, from my experience, that's, that was one of the ways we were able to, to deal with that. Yeah, this is, I think, one of the easiest access points to go into such a group that you don't know anyone and if you have all this information that helps a lot for me or personally and also one thing that I wanted to mention was um, very interesting experience how um, the perception of mountain biking women sometimes is a little bit off I think <laughs> um, I was with a good girlfriend of mine um, we went surfing to Portugal but also we wanted to go mountain biking because we are both avid mountain bikers and we wanted to go well we did have our bikes with us so we went through a mountain bike company and uh, we wanted to go for a shuttle day on a downhill biking hill, sort of. And um, yeah, so it's not something very odd because they actually have this in their kind of menu you can choose from. Um, but actually we got a mail back from them. Well, all male guides and um, two girls wanted to go downhill biking and so we got a mail back um, that if we're really sure if we want to do that because like the trails in Portugal are a lot harder than the alpine trails in Switzerland if we're really sure about that sure. and so <laughs> yeah it took us a while <laughs> really to think about that because then we thought okay so how sh like what are these trails like? How do they look like if they're really that much harder? So the one thing we could think of was Rampage and we could just not really imagine that these trails were like Rampage. <laughs> so therefore, we kind of overcame our fear that these trails are too hard for us. <laughs> and so we went on this day and it was actually really fun. It was raining all day. Um, the bikes were kind of okay <laughs> but uh, we had a blast with the two guides and at the end of the day they recommended us all the really hardcore downhill bike uh, places in Portugal but um, yeah for me it was really hard to say no I think we are actually good enough and I think we actually have ridden harder alpine trails than in Portugal <laughs> there you go that's a positive overcoming fear story I would say yeah, so yeah, sometimes this perception of female mountain bikers might be a little bit off, but um, in hindsight, I must say that I totally understand these guys now. I've been on a different kind of tour with them as well, uh, more a kind of panoramic tour with tourists. And there you actually had people saying that they were like the best mountain bikers on earth, but they could barely like put their feet on the pedals. So therefore, I really understand their warnings as well. But yeah, in this moment for us, it was kind of hard to think of the really hard Portuguese trails we are not able to ride. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's like, uh, you know. My uh, undergrad statistics class when the, uh, the statistics professor was asking, like, everyone raised their hands that thinks they're better than the average. And, uh, of course, 90% exactly. of the ninety percent of the class like, raised their hands. <laughs> so, of course, if you're going to ask someone, do you think you're an above average writer? I mean, you know, 
likelihood is <laughs> pretty high that uh, he's going to say yes. So, uh, so I think, yeah, again, you know, that happens a lot. And, you know, speaking of the, um, what you said earlier about the, uh, um, the, the group dynamics and fear and, um, I think the the other perspective to to um, the, the group dynamic is, of course, the unknown of you riding in a group where you don't know the people, but not necessarily because you think they have high expectations, but you know you you, you don't know their level. You don't know how fast they can go, how they feel. Um, in you know, if someone hasn't ridden in the Alpine yet, right? So I mean. That is something you need to experience first, because you can, uh, because you know, if, if someone is not confident in in moving around the mountainside when start, things start going pear shaped, then uh, you know, then that's not something I personally want to be around. So, generally, when I when I go ride, you know, relatively exposed backcountry stuff and or uh, exposed alpine stuff, then you know, I really really make sure that I know the people that I'm with and they know. You know how they need to move around the mountain. They need to. They know where they they need to go when stuff goes wrong. Who they need to call. Uh, what they need to do, etc. So, again, you know that's bringing it back to what Bryson said earlier. Again, what is very important in these groups, especially when you don't know people 100%, is of course communication. You know, laying out a plan and and making sure that everyone knows what's what's coming up, what we're trying to do. Um, you know where you, where you're going to meet for lunch because lunch is important. Um, hopefully, where you're going to meet for uh, Kaiserschmarrn in the afternoon, especially when we were back at the Russian <laughs> Pass, and uh, where we meet for the afternoon beer. So, you know, make a plan, stick to it, and make sure that everyone knows what's up. <laughs> yes, I think this really helps when you, especially when you start with something like mountain biking, and you're kind of insecure about your abilities and the other group's abilities these kind of like uh, meeting points really help and also like when when you don't know if you're good enough then you know okay then I can still go for a coffee and this is all fine I think if that you have this established this helps a lot um, especially for the ones who are a little bit more stressed about situations like this <laughs> um Maybe another question, if I may, is obviously, you know, taking your different experiences with Gorilla, with, you know, overcoming fear, you've mountain bike company, not very successful, as we have learned. <laughs> but, uh, yeah. you know, maybe also, how does it, um, in your experience, how does it differ to bring um, women that are obviously generally already a little bit older um, into the sport versus... Um, you know, your experience with Gorilla and, um, you know, obviously more teenagers, young teenagers, etc. How does that differ? Well, for me, in my experience, is it, it is that the older you get, the more careful you get <laughs> a little bit. So you don't just jump into something and just try it just to try it. Um, usually you are a little bit careful and you want to like test the waters maybe a little bit and um, you are more thinking about consequences if something goes <laughs> you wrong. You don't want to show up at work with it bleeding <laughs> through your shirt. <laughs> maybe not <laughs> or not on Mondays <laughs> exactly Exactly. so this is something that um, I have learned that there is this slight difference that the older you get the more careful you get and um, the more explanation you want to have if um, and you also want to understand how your bike works how things work and you want to have like different kind of techniques how to overcome obstacles and also to overcome your fears and like this kind of um, mental game I think this goes on a lot more the older you get so this is maybe the main difference that you really explicitly explain how your bike works and also what you can do in your mind to help your riding maybe I should book you for a lesson for my better half <laughs> <laughs> maybe maybe that's a good idea because that's also something i have experienced um that it's seldom a very good idea to start riding with your partner <laughs> yeah we had that before although i mean yeah yeah 
it's a, it's a difficult one. A loaded question, a loaded question, so to speak. <laughs> it is. Well, I would say you can start, um, but you just need to be aware that there are quite different kind of expectations around. And if your partner is an avid mountain biker, probably the question he or she will um, ask you is like, so how awesome was it? <laughs> and this is not really helping if you're still in this kind of panic zone. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. You know, again, that's what the, the whole discussion about, you know, something like that's already a very experienced rider, um, does things almost by instinct, doesn't, most of the time doesn't even think about what he's doing and then a beginner asks him is like well how how am i doing this and then you just yeah again you do off the cuff remark and say like oh yeah just do this this and this and it's going to be fine and uh you know they can't rationalize it so <laughs> how exactly have you helped them yeah, and then usually the mind game starts, especially if you tell them things like, yeah, just go straight or just don't break. Things like that never, ever help, yeah. <laughs> just to be clear. Well, I must say, I mean, I'm obviously not all bad. I mean, the biggest difference that uh, um, that uh, that I have made uh, to the writing of my better half was uh, getting her a bike with a dropper post. That made a world of a difference. Cool. Got yes. two, three years ago, so... Well, I think also this is something that really helps is the bike setup and the kind of bike you're starting with. If this is really, the setup is right for you, it helps you a ton. And also if you have a good bike, you can trust your bike to go over things that you might not be that sure about. And your bike can do more than you think. And this is really something that um, helps you in the beginning. Speaking about bike setup, anything particular that you... Uh, like to have done with your bike or maybe you want to do by yourself to make sure it's done right? Huh. So I must admit I'm a very lazy mechanic <laughs> so I always just do the things that I really need to do and um, but I am very particular with my tires actually. I like my tires and usually I'm I'm not that happy with other bike tires because I think, oh no, now it's really slippery. Now I don't feel my bike. So this is something I'm very particular about, I think. Well, perhaps this is a new topic for overcoming fear. Maybe you have a fear of different treads? <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> Maybe I have, but I haven't really overcome this kind of fear just yet. Um, jumping back to the topic about... Um being inspired and um, having someone to, to, to train with or to kind of learn from. Um, I was interested to, or I am interested to hear, uh, who, who do you look up to in terms of like, you know, kind of a, a bike inspiration or maybe just, yeah, male or female? Um, maybe you can give us a couple examples if you have a couple. Oh, yeah, that's, I think, the easiest question of today. <laughs> because for sure that's Rachel Atherton. And, um, yeah. Well, who else? <laughs> and um, for me, like the most inspiring thing is that she's also talking about the downsides, the injuries, the hard stuff of biking. And also that you see, well, sometimes she's scared as well. Sometimes she has a difficult time to motivate herself. Sometimes, yeah, things go wrong as well. And I think this is something that um, helps me as well to see, okay, so maybe even if I'm scared of this right now, it's okay other people have this problem as well and I must admit if I'm very very scared and I need to try something for the first time and sometimes in my mind I pretend to be Rachel Atherton because then I know okay now I can do it what would <laughs> Rachel Atherton do exactly so now I'm Rachel I can do it <laughs> how about a quick one uh, do you prefer uh, big productions like from Red Bull or do you prefer these uh, homemade POV um, YouTube shreddits. Which ones do you watch? You find yourself watching more out of guilty pleasure. Ooh, okay, that's a more difficult one. Um, I think I mostly watch big productions, but um, mainly because I don't really know the small things. So maybe um, you will have some tips for me, Bryson, for small, cool productions. Oh, yeah, I could think of a couple. Actually, I got another one right now. Um, 
I've uh, I ran into you randomly when we were at uh, Flumseberg at coincidentally the same time. We did a couple laps together. Um, I just happened to be there by 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 luck or bad chance, basically. But um, I'm curious to know how you decide on the different regions or the different trails that you go and explore. Yeah, so it depends really on who I'm with and how much time I have. Usually if I know um, the people I'm going with are maybe more beginner bikers um, than a region where there are also really cool flow trails around, like Flumseberg, for example, um, are very, very cool. And um, sometimes if I have more time and... Um, yeah, more explorative, I go a little bit further and uh, somewhere, yeah, where uh, they have really cool enduro trails like in the Wallis region, there is just lots and lots of really cool trails and it also a little bit depends on how much I want to pedal up because sometimes I'm very lazy and then I just want to have my lift access and then I just go to a place that um, has lift accesses. <laughs> What's your uh, what's your favorite spot in uh, in Switzerland? I mean, uh, you know, this is a podcast about riding in Switzerland, so we always try to have a a view on the favorite secret spot, so to speak, or not so secret. Ooh. Well, probably just off the top of my mind, it's probably Lenzerheide because I really, really like the bike park there. Um, they have very cool stuff that you can like just step-by-step step, um, improve yourself. And also they have really cool enduro trails and um, the view is fantastic. But usually the thing is that every trail I'm riding right now is like my favorite trail and the conditions as well so if I'm riding in the mud this is my favorite condition and then if I'm riding in the dry this is my favorite condition as well so I'm very a little bit indecisive on this all right maybe uh before we, we close out the show I and mean, we're getting towards the end of our time maybe clear up the the big secret what is your favorite tire oh <laughs> Okay, so that's the Continental, the Baron and Kaiser. What? <laughs> I'm so sorry, no, guys. I know a, a lot of people don't understand that. <laughs> it is a great tire. It is a great tire. I did use it myself. Yeah. It just works for me really well. Okay. Well, um, we are at the end of our time, and... Um, um, we we have a couple of questions that we like to ask uh, all of our guests, and uh, is that okay for you? Of course. Maybe start with the first one. I think we we already got a little glimpse into uh, you know what what the answer is going to be. So maybe you could tell us just a little bit again what uh, about the bike that really got you stoked about riding. So I think. That's my Santa Cruz Blur <laughs> and um, I got it as a test bike and actually how I got it, I wrote an email um, to Santa Cruz, Switzerland saying that I'm a poor student but I really, really like their bikes if they have any test bikes around to give out. And they actually wrote back, yeah, actually we're, um, this guy, he's uh, coming for a fishing trip to Coeur in the next week or so. And he can just like load up one of these bikes in his minivan and uh, the keys are on the front tire. So if I want to test it, I should just get it there. And that's how I got my first bike and uh, I actually paid for it. So I was, I was good. That there. is crazy. <laughs> That is a crazy story. That is a good story. That is a good story. Do you know where the bike is today? Yes, I sold it to a teenage boy. Um, I think, well, I rode it for five years. So I rode it for quite some time. And then I, um, yeah, I just had it on uh, trail level. So like kind of the local um, bike secondhand page. And a teenage boy, uh, he bought it. And usually, like, the unwritten um, rule there is that you always bargain for the price. And I had it there for 900 and he wanted to give me the 900 And I'm a very bad saleswoman, so I bargained with myself. So I gave it 
for him to live for like 800 or something because I said, no, you can't do that. You need to bargain. <laughs> exactly. Again, not a pro tip. If you're selling, if you're selling bikes on, uh, you know, secondhand uh, forums like uh, Trail Devils or Pink Bike or wherever, always start at the top. You can always negotiate down. <laughs> yes, or I do it for you. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Or just ask Lucy. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> All right. Second one is uh, is a bit out there. It's a bit out there. So imagine you are Harriet Skidini and you're a bike magician extraordinaire and you can make riding a bike more awesome for anyone by the stroke of your magic dropper post. What would you do? Hmm. I think more confidence for women to bike bike rides and to go in bike parks that would be something cool because i want more women in bike parks that's a great one actually we'd all like to see that um now we have our third question and it's it's not an easy one it's it's actually uh, some might say it's the the hardest of the three um others say it comes from the depths of hell but i'll just ask you to you plain Actually, you know what? No. So we've ridden together, and I do. I have noted your style. Actually, I have you on some some um, some GoPro footage as well, and you're you're quite a, a calculated and a smooth rider, I would say, and you carry speed very well. Um, however, if you had to be really like the devil, how would you flatten a berm? How would you raise some earth, per se? What makes a great skid? <laughs> oh, wow. This is a really hard question. Um, well, on berms, I always prefer the inside line to like just really skid into Ooh. the berm. And so I'm very sorry to just sometimes destroy this berm a little bit. <laughs> so if I'm very fast, but this doesn't happen that often. So uh, and on a bike ride from hell, I would just take the inside line, destroy this berm and just skip down this, this trail. <laughs> Sending it for the trail crew. Yeah. That's why the berms are there. <laughs> <laughs> Prove me wrong. Well, Lucy, thanks again for doing this. If uh, listeners have uh, any questions or want to learn more about you and your work and what you do, uh, where can they find out more? Well, you can either look me up on the Gorilla page, webpage. Uh, it's actually stiftifoundation.ch um, or you can look me up on Instagram and I think you guys can put that up in the comments. Oh, sure, we'll do that. Well, thanks again. This was awesome. And I think there are some great takeaways. And uh, so, yeah. Well, we'll see you soon. Thanks for having me. Ciao. Keep shredding. This was awesome. <laughs>